May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. C.S. Lewis once famously said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pains as if through a megaphone. We will hear more from Luke Thompson as we consider faith and hope and spirituality as you go through fibromyalgia and other chronic pain conditions. If this is the first time you're listening to my podcast, I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I am a pediatrician, an internal medicine physician, a lipidologist, and lifestyle medicine physician, where I try to weave the best of medical management with lifestyle medicine to reduce the suffering for those who are living with fibromyalgia. I also am author of the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia. It's also for your loved ones and for medical doctors and other medical providers who want to learn more about this often stigmatized and frustrating condition known as fibromyalgia. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes. Please discuss all signs and symptoms with your individual medical physician. And now, more on to this week's podcast. But we do try to find meaning and purpose. And one of the things you wrote in your book uh, was a question that a was given by a six-year-old to Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's a science and phys- physics popularizer. And he had a question on the meaning of life to him. And he said, I think people ask the question on the assumption that meaning is something you can look for. And then, oh, I found it. And it doesn't consider the possibility that maybe meaning in life is something you create. And so when I think of meaning in life, I ask, am I learning something? Today, that I did not know yesterday, bringing me closer to knowing all that can be known in the universe. If I live a day and I don't know a little more that day than the day before, I think I wasted that day. Your meaning in life will be enhanced if you are given as much freedom as you can to explore the world. Then, when you get older, you will become so close to how the world works that when a problem arises that needs a solution, you will say, I know how to solve that. I've been thinking about that before. You owe it to yourself and everyone else to stay curious. And by doing so, you have created meaning in life that others think is waiting for them under a rock for them one day. And you would have made it happen on your own. So what is Tyson saying and and what are the implications? And did Solomon consider the same question? <laughs> yeah, so... What's interesting here is that, that, you know, so someone asks Tyson, you know, what's the meaning of life? 
And Tyson makes this interesting distinction right off the bat. He says, some people think it's something that you need to look for and then say, I found it. Well, that's exactly what I said at the beginning of our talk, right? That uh, if there is a God, then our goal in life is to find out what our meaning is, right? To find out why we were created and what role we have to play in this universe. He then goes on and says, well, it doesn't consider the possibility that maybe meaning in life is something you create. And so we've got two different kinds of meaning here, and they're not the same. And I don't know if Tyson understands the difference uh, between them or not. So on the one hand, we have what's what we'll call cosmic meaning. And so cosmic meaning uh, or transcendent meaning, this is the idea that whether or not I know it, there is some type of overarching meaning to this universe. There's some reason that it's here. Maybe I don't know it, but it's there regardless, right? And a lot of times when people are asking, well, what's, you know, what's my purpose in life? You know, what, why is it all here? That's what they're asking for, right? They're asking for some type of transcendent answer. They want to know what the transcendent story is that explains why we're here. Now, of course, if the evolutionary atheist is right, then there is no reason that we're here. There's literally nothing that we can talk about. We might talk about causal things like there was a big bang or something like that, but those are just purposeless causes, right? They're mindless causes. They're unreasonable causes. There's no one reasoning behind them, right? So we would just say we're not here for any purpose, right? What we could also talk about though, and which is a very valid way of talking, talking about meaning, is what we might call short-term meaning. So my son right now has gotten into collecting coins, and he thinks that it is just the coolest thing in the world that he can find this, you know, nickel that, you know, his his neighbor thinks is five cents, you know, and his neighbor gives it to him and he looks it up and he finds out that actually this this nickel is worth like 15 bucks or something like that, right? So the question is, how can this nickel be worth $15? Why is it actually worth $15? What's the answer to that? It's How could a f- somebody else finds it more meaningful? Yeah, right. Someone is willing to pay fifteen dollars <laughs> for it, right? Someone is willing to pay fifteen dollars for a nickel. That's the only reason that it's worth fifteen dollars, right? So, so someone has given value to that nickel, and because of that, that nickel does have the value of fifteen dollars. But if that person that values it for fifteen dollars gets hit by a bus and he's the only person in the world that valued it for $15, then that nickel would be worth a nickel again, right? So we can value things, and then they do have that value. But we call that a short-term value or short-term meaning because it can go away. It doesn't have to be around forever, right? Cosmic meaning, this is something that's built into the fabric of the universe. It is there from when the universe is created to whenever it's going to end. Short-term meaning is the type of meaning that is, is something that, that will not last that long. It's only going to last as long as the people that have given it meaning last, right? And so I could ask you uh, something like, so uh, do you have any kids, Mike? Yeah, three kids. Well, they're, okay. yeah, they're right? two, two adult kids, but All right. teenagers. So. All right. So, um, so imagine, so, so, so. Would you say that, uh, I don't know, um, do you have a daughter? Yes. Okay. Let's say your daughter. Uh, would you say that that daughter has value? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Now, where does her value come from? 
do you think she has value because you value her? Or do you think she would have value regardless of whether you were around? Whether or not I was around. Yeah, right. And I have yet to meet someone, you know, I've yet to meet a parent that would say that my child only has value because I value them, right? You talk to most moms and dads and they will say, man, my child has value. Even if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow and no one else values this person, I know that that child has value. So what kind of value, what kind of meaning are we talking about at that point? Well, for if we're saying that this person has a value that is not determined on other people valuing him or her, then that can't be short-term meaning, right? Because that would only be around for the amount of time that people are valuing that person. If it's true that this person has value, whether or not any other human being values them, then somehow that value we're talking about has to be a transcendent value. It's coming from somewhere else, right? There's something special about that person, right? And so, you know, a Christian would say the reason that every single human being has value is because the God of the universe created that person, right? And the reason that they created them is because the God of the universe wants to, you know, uh, have a relationship with that person and things like that. But it comes from the outside and that's what gives the individual value. But if you take away the meta narrative, then you're left with only short-term value. And that really goes against the types of things we're talking about. And so at the end of the day, all Tyson is talking about here is just pragmatic stuff, right? He's saying like, there's a problem. Well, I can learn how to fix that problem, but he's not actually asking the deeper questions. Should you fix that problem? Mm-hmm. Is there any reason that a scientist ought to have to do the work of science? That's- you might say, well, a scientist just wants to do it, but that's not the question. The question is, should the scientist want to do it? Right? Yeah. And I think I there's so much wisdom that Tyson is saying is that there's a, we're curious. We, we want to learn yeah. things. That's part of... Uh, probably every doctor that w- decided to go and become yeah. a doctor, wherever their paradigm is, uh, there was uh, wanting to solve problems on a very yeah. pragmatic standpoint and help people and understand things. That's part of uh, the podcast and, and the book. Yeah. And uh, one of my missions and I guess a short term missions yeah. is to help share hope and meaning and some observational science uh, and understanding what we know to help people yeah. uh, get through these so and so here's the big question though here's the big question though right so is it good that scientists are curious is that a good thing and i would say yes that's that's a great thing and i don't know anyone that wouldn't right (laughs) why though why is that a good thing if there is no meta narrative if there's no larger reason if we're literally just the products of chance then our curiosity is just as much the product of chance Right. And there's nothing special about our curiosity. It just happens to be this interesting thing that's happening right now yeah. at this point in the history of the universe. But given maybe like a Christian meta narrative, there's an awful lot we can say about that curiosity and why it's good. Right. That somehow, right, the the creative nature, right, and curiosity is tied to the idea of creativity, right? Wanting to explore, right, and to manipulate your environments and to learn and things like that. Uh, that creativity reflects somehow the nature of God himself, right? And that's the Christian idea that we're image bearers somehow of God, that there's aspects of our character that reflect him. Mm -hmm. And so 
So the Christian has the ability to say that the curiosity of the scientist is is divine, right? That this is uh, not just like good in a pragmatic sense, but it is beautiful and it is special that humans have this because when they are uh, when they are carrying out their curiosity as as scientists or philosophers or or architects, engineers or programmers, uh, they are they are are carrying out a function that God has given them and that reflects his nature as a person. That's incredibly satisfying compared to this is just something that happened at this point of history in a meaningless universe. And yeah. So much wisdom that you uh, shared there and, and putting uh trying to perspective one of uh, the goals that I have is to, again, help people understand who are going through suffering. And in your book, you talk about remember your creator. And I can't help when I, you know, since I went through medical school, the first part of medical school, the first year is spent on physiology, which is the normal functioning of things. And design of things. And then second year is mainly spent on pathophysiology, all of the dysfunction that can happen and going through. And, and that's part of, again, trying to solve problems. And you have in the understanding of what fibromyalgia is and how the brain processes pain. And for just a review for those who have uh, not heard all of the podcasts or read my book yet, it's the brain listens to these different stimuli and things that aren't necessarily causing tissue damage feel like they are. Uh, people who have normal gas in their intestines, it feels like it's extremely painful and it's stretching and going to explode their intestines, but it's really irritable bowel and they're much they're just hypersensitive people can be having migraines and they're hypersensitive to light and sound and smell but there's a normal bell curve of where somebody's sensitivity is but things get shifted something that is meant to be a protective thing and a good thing designed ends up getting shifted and you can't help when you look at so many back and forth feedback mechanisms that are going on in just one aspect of one simple system. There are multiple systems coordinating to get the idea that this happened by just time and chance is really a hard one to connect because there is an incredible thought. Yet, for those who are suffering, it really is painful to go through experiences where they are really suffering. Uh, One of the other things that you mentioned in your book is how to find meaning. One is that short-term meaning. And and some people have found a lot of meaning and pleasure and enjoyment in the good things in life. And can you share some thoughts that applies in the short term, but then applying to people who may be going through pain and suffering? Yeah. So there's a couple of points in Ecclesiastes where Solomon talks about certain things. And he says, this is great. It's great that we're able to do these things. And he celebrates certain things. And he does this with pleasure as well. 
where there's points where he says, you know, it's wonderful to enjoy the pleasures of life. And we might think of things like, you know, eating good food, right? And having friendships and, and all of these great things. What's interesting is that after he acknowledges that these are good things, then he says, but then, you know, when I've looked back on it, I realize that these things are meaningless as well. It's meaningless because I'm looking at it under the sun. And so when we approach things like pleasures in life, we have to ask ourselves, well, why, why are we approaching these things and what are we hoping to get out of it? Right? Because if we think that the reason I'm going to pursue these pleasures is because there's going to be some way that I will be able to get an identity out of it. Well, then ultimately you're just reducing your life to, you know, a, a Facebook stream, right. Of like your, your happiest moments and things like that. Is that really all you are as a human being is just a collection of thoughts. But on the flip side, then how do you, deal with the fact that there's pain and suffering in this world, right? Because if you're trying to simply say that the good life is only a life of pleasure, then you're going to be disappointed, right? It, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life, but everyone suffers. Everyone goes through hardships. And no matter how hard we try to keep ourselves from suffering, it's going to be there. Right. And so if you're saying that my identity is going to be built only on the good, pleasurable things I have in life, then you are just constantly going to be a falling off that because life is just hard and life is difficult. It always comes back to the question, is the pain and suffering that I'm experiencing in this life, is it pointless or is it meaningful? Right. When we read a good book, a good book has lots of pain and suffering in it. Right. But what makes it a good book is that the pain and the suffering in it serve some greater good towards the end. That never makes the pain and suffering somehow good, right? But somehow it gets transformed. The effects of the pain and suffering do not serve the purposes of evil. Instead, they end up serving the purposes of good. And the big question in life is, is that what life is really like? Are the pains and suffering that I'm going through, are they completely meaningless? Is there no rhyme and reason behind it? Or is there some reason? Is there some overarching story that I'm a part of? And part of that story is that the pains and sufferings that I'm going through will be transformed into some greater good in the end. That's the Christian meta-narrative at the end of the day. And it all hinges... What's really interesting about the Christian meta-narrative is that it all hinges on a moment of suffering. All right, so at the very center of the Christian message is a point in time when someone goes through excruciating suffering, but that excruciating suffering is the thing that opens up the possibility for a good ending. And of course, I'm talking about Christ dying on the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're working with people who are struggling with pain and there are things that we can do to help, but I know that there are people who are struggling and I, I, not everybody gets better. There's a lot of people who are really struggling and there are circumstances that even if I could be everybody's doctor who's listening and try to apply the best evidence and best practice with medicine may not get better or 
they might get incredibly better. I've shared stories of people who've gotten a lot better and trying to help shift their nervous system in a way that is more in the healthy range. But they may, and we're all going to have some other thing that comes up. You know, um, mm-hmm. my mom got cured from lymphoma probably about eight, 10 years ago. And oh, about a year and a half ago, she got pancreatic cancer and died. We all are going to have something. And I, I we had great doctors taking care of her in yeah. uh, Milwaukee here who are great experts, surgeons. And, and part of me, in, in medicine, when you decide, I have a son in medical school, and you decide what kind of doctor you want to be in, a lot of times you want to be a doctor where you can fix people. <laughs> you can make yep. people in the short term better, right? You know, somebody who's having a heart attack, and you can put a stent in, and you can rescue them. Uh, somebody who's got severe knee pain with severe arthritis, and you can put a knee replacement in, and they're, they're so thankful. They're not maybe running 10 miles, but they're living better in pain. But I thought, why would somebody want to... This is the depressing pancreatic cancer is very hard, uh, and some people do get cured from that, but it's a really hard one to go through. But somebody cared, somebody was touched and wanting to get better. And a lot of people who are struggling with fibromyalgia, I often I say that for most doctors, that you're the patient that they don't want to see on their schedule because. They've been to so many different doctors. Nobody's helping. They get brushed off. A lot of people around them and their family and friends think they're just hypochondriacs and they're faking things, but the pain is actually real. This reminds me of one of Mother Teresa's favorite passages from the Bible, which she quoted often in her ministry to the poor. And people who are living with fibromyalgia may often feel like They are one of the least of these. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's somewhat of the motto I have in caring for those who are struggling, who are going through hardships of fibromyalgia-related problems. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I know this short series is different. We are going and talking about faith and trying to talk about hope beyond just a short term. I don't want to be accused of pie-in-the-sky thinking when it comes to curing everybody and taking all the pain and all the fatigue and all of the brain fog away. I do my best to help, but want to give more than just the help for the mind and the body, but also for the spirit. I hope you're enjoying this. I recognize that everybody's coming from different beliefs and different backgrounds, but I really enjoy Luke's genuine caring for others. Well, until next week, where we'll wrap up this discussion with Luke Thompson, go Team Fibro.